0: section three of null a b c by h beam piper and john j mcguire this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by carina schultz ralph prestonby cleared his throat slipped a master disc into the recording machine beside his desk and pressed the start button dear parent or guardian he began Your daughter, now a third-year student at this school, has reached the age of eligibility for the domestic science course entitled How to Win and Hold a Husband. Statistics show that girls who have completed this valuable course are sooner, longer, and happier married than those who have not enjoyed its advantages. We recommend it most highly. However, because of the delicate nature of some of the visual material used, your consent is required you can attach such consent to this disk by running it for at least ten seconds after the sign-off and then switching from play to transcribe kindly include your full name as well as your daughter's and place your thumbprint on the opposite side of the disk very sincerely yours literate first class ralph c prestonby principal he put the master disk in an envelope checked over a list of names and addresses of parents and girl students and put that in also he looked over the winter sport schedule and signed and thumb printed it then he loaded the recorder with his morning's mail switched to play and started it as he listened he blew smoke rings across the room and toyed with a dagger made from a file which had been thrown down the central light well at him a few days before The invention of the pocket-recorder, which put a half-hour's conversation on a half-inch disk, had done more to slow down business and promote inane correspondence than anything since the earlier inventions of shorthand, typewriters, and pretty stenographers. Finally, he cleared the machine, dumping the whole mess into a basket and carrying it out to his secretary. "'Miss Collins, take this infernal rubbish and have a couple of the girls divide it between them.' play it off and make a digest of it he said and here the sports schedule and this parental consent thing on the husband trapping course have them taken care of this stuff martha collins said poking at the pile of letter discs i suppose about half of it is threats abuse and obscenities and the other half is from long-winded bores with idiotic suggestions and ill-natured gripes i'll use that old tag-line again "'hoping you appreciate our brevity as much as we enjoyed yours.' "'Yes, that'll be all right,' he looked at his watch. "'I'm going to make a personal building tour instead of using the TV. "'The animals are sort of restless today. "'The election. "'The infantile compulsion to take sides. "'If you need me for anything urgent, don't use oral call. "'Just flash my signal, red, blue, red, blue, "'on the hall and classroom screens. "'Oh, Doug!' Yetsko, his length of rubber hose under his arm, ambled out of Prestonby's private office, stopping to stub out his cigarette. The action reminded Prestonby that he still had his pipe in his mouth. He knocked it out and pocketed it. Together they went into the hall outside. "'Where to first, Captain?' Yetsko wanted to know. "'Cloak and dagger department on the top floor. Then we'll drop down to the shops and then up through domestic science and business and general arts.' and back here we hope yet's go finished they took a service elevator to the top floor emerging into a stockroom piled with boxes and crates and cases of sound records and cans of film and stacks of picture cards and all the other impedimenta of illiterate education passing through it to the other end prestonby unlocked a door and they went down a short hall to where ten or fifteen boys and girls had just gotten off a helical escalator and were queued up at a door at the other end. There were two literate guards in black leather and a student monitor with his white belt and rubber truncheon outside the door. Prestonby swore under his breath. He'd hoped they'd miss this, but since they hadn't, there was nothing for it but to fall in at the tail of the queue. One by one, the boys and girls went up, spoke briefly to the guards and the student monitor, and were passed through the door. Each time, one of the guards had to open it with a key. Finally, it was Prestonby's turn. B. D. F. H. J. L. N. P. R. T. V. X. Y. He recited to the guardians of the door. A. C. E. G. I. K. M. O. Q. S. U w y the monitor replied solemnly the inkwell is dry and the book is dusty but tomorrow there will be writing and reading for all prestonby answered the guard with the key unlocked the door and he and yetsko went through into an utterly silent sound-proofed room and from it into an inner noisy room where a recorded voice was chanting hat ah. <sighs> uh, h a t box b ox b o x gun g a n g u n girl g e r l while pictures were flashed on a screen at the front and words appeared under them There were about twenty boys and girls, of the freshman year age bracket, at desk seats, facing the screen. They'd started learning the alphabet when school had opened in September. Now they had gotten as far as combining letters into simple words. In another month they'd be as far as diphthongs, and would be initiated into the mysteries of silent letters. Maybe sooner than that. He was finding that children who had not been taught to read until their twelfth year learned much more rapidly than the primary-grade children in the literate schools. What he was doing here wasn't exactly illegal. It wasn't even against the strict letter of fraternity regulations, but it had to be done clandestinely. What he'd have liked to have done would have been to have given every boy and girl in English one the same instruction this selected group was getting, but that would have been out of the question. The public would never have stood for it. The police would have had to intervene to prevent a riotous mob of illiterates from tearing the school down brick by brick, and even if that didn't happen, the ensuing uproar inside the fraternity would have blown the roof off Literates Hall. Even Lansdale couldn't have survived such an explosion, and the body of literate First Class Ralph N. Prestonby would have been found in a vacant lot the next morning even many of Lansdale's supporters would have turned on him in anger at this sudden blow to the fraternity's monopoly of the printed word so it had to be kept secret and since adolescents in possession of a secret are under constant temptation to hint mysteriously in the presence of outsiders this hocus-pocus of ritual and password and countersign had to be resorted to He'd been in conspiratorial work of other kinds, and knew that there was a sound psychological basis for most of what seemed, at first glance, to be mere melodramatic claptrap. He and Yetzko passed on through a door across the room into another soundproofed room. The work of soundproofing and partitioning the old stockroom had been done in the last semester of his first year at Miniola High by members of the graduating class of building trade students who had then gone there several ways convinced that they had been working on a set of music-class practice rooms the board of education had never even found out about it in this second room a literate teacher one of the Lansdale faction had a reading class of twenty-five or thirty a girl was on her feet with a book in her hand reading from it we are not sure of sorrow and joy was never sure Today will die tomorrow, Time stoops to no man's lure, And love, grown faint and fretful, With lips but half regretful, Sighs, and with eyes forgetful, Weeps that no loves endure. Then she handed the book, it was the only copy, To the boy sitting in front of her, and he rose to read the next verse prestonby catching the teacher's eye nodded and smiled this was a third year class of course but from h a t spells hat to swinburne in three years was good work there were three other classes a total of little over a hundred students there was no trouble they were there for one purpose only to learn he spoke with one of the teachers whose class was busy with a written exercise he talked for a while to another whose only duty at the moment was to answer questions and furnish help to a small class who were reading silently from a variety of smuggled-in volumes. Only a hundred and twenty out of five thousand, Yetsko said to him, as they were dropping down in the elevator by which they had come. Think you'll ever really get anything done with them? I won't. Maybe they won't, he replied. But the ones they'll teach will they're just a cadre it'll take fifty years before the effects are really felt but some day the shops a good half of the school was trades training were noisy and busy here prestonby kept his hand on his gas projector and Yetzko had his rubber hose ready either to strike or to discard in favour of his pistol the instructors were similarly on the alert and ready for trouble he had seen penitentiaries where the guards took it easier carpentry and building trades machine shop welding copter and tv repair shops he made a minor and relatively honest graft there from the sale of rebuilt equipment even an atomic equipment shop though there was nothing in the place that would excite a geiger more than the instructor's luminous dial watch domestic science home decorating home handicrafts use of home appliances beautician school charm school he and yetsko sampled the products of the cooking school intended for the cafeteria and found them edible if uninspired business classes in recording letters using illiterate business machines preparing illiterate cards for same filing recordings always with the council when in doubt consult illiterate general arts spanish and french from elaborate record players the progeny of the old twentieth-century linguophone english with recorded speech composition enunciation training semantics and what prestonby called english ill literature the class he visited was drowsing through one of the less colorful sections of gone with the wind world history with half the students frankly asleep through an audio-visual on the feudal system with planted hints on how nice a revival of the same would be and identifying the clergy of the middle ages with the fraternities of literates american history with the class wide awake since custer's massacre was obviously only moments away wanna bet one of those little cherubs doesn't try to scalp another before the day's out yetzko whispered prestonby shook his head (laughs) no bet remember that film on the spanish inquisition that we had to discontinue it was then that the light on the classroom screen, which had been flickering green and white, suddenly began flashing Prestonby's wanted-at-office signal. Prestonby found Frank Carden looking out of the screen in his private office. The round, ordinarily cheerful face was serious, but the innocent blue eyes were as unreadable as ever. He was wearing one of the new Mexican chotteral style jackets, black laced with silver. "'I can't see all your office, Ralph,' he said as Prestonby approached. "'Are you alone?' "'Doug yet's goes all,' Prestonby said, and, as Cardin hesitated, added, "'Don't be silly, Frank. He's my bodyguard. What could I be in that he wouldn't know all about?' Cardin nodded. "'Well, we're in a jam up to here.' A hand-wave conveyed the impression that the sea of troubles had risen to his chin. He spoke at some length. Describing the fight between Chester Pelton and Stephen S. Bain, the literate strike at Pelton's Purchaser's Paradise, Pelton's heart attack, and the circumstances of Claire's opening the safe. So you see, he finished, maybe Latterman tried to kill Pelton. Maybe he just tried to do what he did. I can't take chances either way. Prestonby thought furiously. You say Claire's alone at the store with her father? and a couple of store cops sterling characters with the hearts of lions and the brains of goldfish cardon replied and russ latterman and maybe four or five conservative goons he's managed to infiltrate into the store prestonby was still thinking aloud now maybe they did mean to kill pelton in that case they'll try again or maybe they only wanted to expose claire's literacy it's hard to say what else they'd try maybe kidnap her to truth drug her and use her as a guest artist on a conservative telecast i'm going over to the store now that's a good idea ralph if you hadn't thought of it i was going to suggest it land on the central stage ask for sergeant coccozello of the store police and give my name even aside from everything else it'd be a good idea to have somebody there who can read and dares admit it till a new crew of literates can get there you were speaking about the possibility of kidnapping. How about the boy, Ray? Prestonby nodded. I'll have him come here to my office, and stay there till I get back. I'll have Yetzko stay with him. He turned to where the big man in black leather stood guard at the door. Doug, go get Ray Pelton and bring him here. Check with Miss Collins for where he'd be now. He turned back to the screen. Anything else, Frank? Isn't that enough? The brewer literate demanded i'll call you at the store after a while bye the screen darkened as cardon broke the connection prestonby got to his feet went to his desk and picked up a pipe digging out the ashes from the bowl with an ice-pick that one of the teachers had taken from a sixteen-year-old would-be murderer he checked his tablet gun made sure that there was an extra loaded clip in the holster and got two more spare clips from the arms locker then, to make sure, he called Pelton's store, talking for a while to the police sergeant Cardon had mentioned. By the time he was finished, the door opened and Yetsko ushered Ray Pelton in. "'What happened?' the boy asked. "'Doug told me that the senator, my father, had another heart attack.' "'Yes, Ray. I don't believe he's in any great danger. He's at the store, resting in his office.' He went on to tell the boy what had happened, exactly and in full detail. He was only fifteen, but already he had completed the four-year reading course, and he could think a great deal more logically than seventy percent of the people who were legally entitled to vote. Ray listened seriously, and proved Prestonby's confidence justified by nodding. "'Frame-up,' he said succinctly. "'Stinks like a glue factory of a put-up job. Something's going to happen to Russ Latterman one of these days.' "'I think you'd better let Frank Carden take care of him, Ray,' be advised. I think there are more angles to this than he told me. Now, I'm going over to the store. Somebody's got to stay with Claire. I want you to stay here, in this room. If anybody sends you any message, supposed to be from me, just ignore it. It'll be a trap. If I want to get in touch with you, I'll call you, with vision image. Mean somebody might try to kidnap me, or Claire, to force the senator to withdraw or something? Ray asked, his eyes widening. "'You catch on quickly, Ray,' Prestonby commended him. "'Doug, you stay with Ray till I get back. "'Don't let him out of your sight for an instant. "'At noon, have Miss Collins get lunches for both of you sent up. "'If I'm not back by fifteen hundred, "'take him to his home and stay with him there.'" For half an hour, Frank Carden made a flying tour of radical socialist borough headquarters. Even at the Manhattan headquarters, which he visited immediately after his talk with Prestonby, the news had already gotten out the atmosphere of optimistic triumph which had undoubtedly followed mongery's telecast and his report on the trotter pole had evaporated the literate clerical help was gathered in a tight knot obviously a little worried and just as obviously enjoying the reaction in smaller and constantly changing groups the volunteers the paid helpers the dirt squirters the goon gangs gathered talking in worried or frightened or angry voices when Cardon entered and was recognized, there was a concerted movement toward him. His two regular bodyguards, both on leave from the literate storm-troops, moved quickly to range themselves on either side of him. With a gesture he halted the others. "'Hold it,' he called. "'I know what you're worried about. I was there when it happened, and saw everything.' He paused to let them assimilate that, and continued. "'Now get this, all of you. Our boss, and—if he lives—' our next senator was the victim of a deliberate murder attempt by literate first-class bane who threw out his supply of nitrocane bulbs and then goaded him into a heart attack which except for his daughter would have been fatal claire pelton deserves the deepest gratitude of every radical socialist in the state she's a smart girl and she saved the life of her father and our leader but she is not illiterate he cried loudly All she did was something any of you could have done, something I've done myself, so that I won't be locked out of my own safe and have to wait for a literate to come and open it for me. She simply kept her eye on the literates who were opening the safe, and learned the combination from the positions to which they turned the dial. And you believe, on the strength of that, that she's a literate? The next thing you'll be believing that professional liar of a Slade gardener, and you call yourselves politicians. He fairly gargled obscenities. Looking around, he caught sight of a pair who seemed something less than impressed with his account of it. Joe West, thick-armed, hairy-chested, blue-jowled, Horace yingling, thin and gangling. They weren't radical socialist party people, they were from the political action committee of the Consolidated Illiterates organization, and their slogan was simpler and more to the point than Chester Pelton's, the only good literate is a dead literate. He tensed himself and challenged them directly. Joe, Horace, how about you? Satisfied the Pelton girl isn't illiterate now? Yingling looked at West, and West looked back at him questioningly. Evidently, the Suavitor in Mondo was Yingling's province, and the Fortier in Re was West's. Yeah, sure, Mr. Carden, Yingling said dubiously. Now that you explain it, we see how it was. It was worse than that in some of the other boroughs, One fanatic, imagining that Carden himself was a crypto-literate, drew a gun. Carden's guards disarmed him and beat him senseless. At another headquarters, some character was circulating about declaring that not only Claire Pelton, but her younger brother Ray as well, were literates. Carden's two men hustled him out of the building, and, after about twenty minutes, returned alone. Carden hoped that the body would not be found until after the polls closed the next day. Finally, leaving his guards with the copter at a public landing stage, he made his way, by devious routes, to William R. Lansdale's office and found Lansdale at his desk, seeming not to have moved since he had showed his agent out earlier in the day. "'Well, we're in a nice puddle of something or other,' Cardon greeted him, "'on top of that Gardner telecast this morning. Guthrie Parham's taking care of that, and everything's going to be done to ridicule Gardner,' Lansdale told him and even this business at the store can be turned to some advantage before we're through we may gain more votes than we lose for pelton and we had an informal meeting joiner for retail merchandising stark for grievance settlements and four or five others including myself to make up a quorum we had Bain in and heard his story of it and we got a report from one of our stoolies in the store Bain thought he was due for a commendation instead he got an eat-out of course it was a fact that pelton hid him and we can't have literates punched round regardless of provocation so we voted to fine pelton ten million for beating Bain up and to award him ten million for losses resulting from unauthorized withdrawal of literate services we ordered a new crew of literates to the store and we exiled Bain to brooklyn to something called stillman's used copter and junk bazaar for the next few months the only thing he'll find that's round and pinchable will be second-hand tires but don't be too hard on him i think he did us a favor you mean starting a rift between pelton and the consolidated illiterates organization which we can widen after the election no i hadn't thought of it that way frank Lansdale smiled it's an idea worth keeping in mind and we'll exploit it later what i was thinking about was the more immediate problem of the election The buzzer on Lansdale's desk interrupted, and a voice came out of the commo-box. "'Message, urgent and private, sir. Source named as Sforza.' Cardin recognized the name. Maybe the independent conservatives have troubles too, he thought hopefully. Then Lansdale's video screen became the frame for an almost unbelievably commonplace set of features. "'Sforza, sir.' the man in the screen said sorry i'm late but i was able to get out of the building only a few minutes ago and i had to make sure i wasn't wearing a tail i have two new facts first the conservatives have been bringing storm troops in from outside from philadelphia and from wilkes scranton and from buffalo they are being concentrated in lower manhattan in plain clothes with only concealed weapons and carrying their hoods folded up under their coats second i overheard a few snatches of conversation between two of the conservative storm troop leaders as follows start it in china thirteen thirty and important to make it appear either spontaneous or planned for business motives try to get us more information as quickly as possible lansdale directed obviously we should know by about thirteen hundred what's being planned right sir Lansdale's spy at Independent Conservative Headquarters nodded and vanished from the screen. "'What does it sound like to you, Frank?' Lansdale asked. "'China is obviously a code-designation for some place in downtown Manhattan where the conservative goon gangs are being concentrated. The only thing I can say is that it probably is not Chinatown. They'd either say Chinatown and not China, or they would use some code-designation that wasn't so close to the actual name.' Cardin considered. What they're going to start at 1330, which is only two and a half hours from now, is probably some kind of riot. A riot which could arise from business motives, Lansdale added. That sounds like the docks, or the wholesale district, or the garment district, or something like that. He passed his hand rapidly over the photoelectric eye of the commo-box. Get me Major Slater, he said and a little later major get a platoon out to long island to chester pelton's home have the place searched for possible booby traps and maintain guard there till further notice you'll have no trouble with the servants they're all in our pay that platoon must not repeat not wear uniform or appear to have any connection with the fraternities put another platoon in pelton's store concealed weapons and plain clothes they should carry their leather helmets and shopping-bags and roam about in the store ostensibly shopping and a full company uniformed and armed with heavy weapons alerted and ready for immediate copter movement he went on to explain about the intelligence report and the conclusions drawn from it the guards officer repeated back his instructions and Lansdale broke the connection now frank he said i told you that this revelation of claire pelton's literacy can be turned to our advantage "'There's to be a full council meeting at thirteen hundred. "'Here's what I estimate Joyner and Graves will try to do, "'and here's what I'm going to do to counter it.'" A couple of men in the maroon uniforms of Pelton's store police were waiting as Prestonby's copter landed on the top stage. One of them touched his cap visor with his gas billy in salute and said, "'Literate Prestonby, Miss Pelton is expecting you. "'She's in her father's office. This way, if you please, sir.' he had hoped to find her alone but when he entered the office he saw five or six of the store personnel with her since opening her father's safe she had evidently dropped all pretense of illiteracy there was a mass of papers spread on the big desk and she was referring from one to another of them with the deft skill of a regular fraternity's literate while the others watched in fascinated horror wait a moment mr Hutchnecker she told the white-haired man in the blue and orange business suit with whom she had been talking, and laid the printed price schedule down, advancing to meet him. "'Ralph!' she greeted him. "'Frank Carden told me you were coming. I—' For a moment he thought of the afternoon, over two years ago, when she had entered his office at the school and he had recognized her as the older sister of young Ray Pelton. "'Professor Prestonby,' she had begun accusingly, you have been teaching my brother raymond pelton to read he had been prepared for that had known that sooner or later there would be some minor leak in the security screen around the classrooms on the top floor my dear miss pelton he had protested pleasantly i think you've become overwrought over nothing this pretense to literacy is a phase most boys of ray's age pass through They do it just as they play air pirates or hijackers a few years earlier the usual trick is to memorize something heard from a record disc and then pretend to read it from print don't try to kid me professor i know that ray can read i can prove it and supposing he has learned a few words he had parried can you be sure i taught him and if so what had you thought of doing about it are you going to expose me as a corrupter of youth "'Not unless I have to,' she had replied coolly. "'I'm going to blackmail you, Professor. "'I want you to teach me to read, too.' "'Now, with this gang of her father's illiterate store officials present, "'a quick handclasp and a glance were all they could exchange. "'How is he, Claire? he asked. "'Out of danger, for the present. "'There was a medic here who left just before you arrived. "'He brought nitrocaine bulbs and gave father something to make him sleep.' He's lying down back in his rest room. She led him to a door at the rear of the office and motioned him to enter, following him. He's going to sleep for a couple of hours yet. The room was a sort of bedroom and dressing room, with a minuscule toilet and shower beyond. Pelton was lying on his back, sleeping. His face was pale, but he was breathing easily and regularly two of the store policemen a sergeant and a patrolman were playing cards on the little table and the patrolman had a burp gun within reach all right sergeant claire said you and gorman go out to the office call me if anything comes up that needs my attention in the next few minutes the sergeant started to protest claire cut him off there's no danger here this literate can be trusted he's a friend of mr Cardin's, works at the brewery it's all right The two rose and went out, leaving the door barely ajar. Prestonby and Clare, like a pair of marionettes on the same set of strings, cast a quick glance at the door, and then were in each other's arms. Chester Pelton slept placidly as they kissed and whispered endearments. It was Clare who terminated the embrace, looking apprehensively at her slumbering father. "'Ralph, what's it all about?' she asked. I didn't even know that you and Frank Carden knew each other, let alone that he had any idea about us. Prestonby thought furiously, trying to find a safe path through the tangle of Claire Pelton's conflicting loyalties, trying to find a path between his own loyalties and his love for her, wondering how much it would be safe to tell her. "'And Carden's gone completely cloak-and-dagger happy,' she continued. "'He's talking about plots against my father's life and against me, and—' "'A lot of things are going on under cloaks, around here,' he told her. "'And under literate smocks and under other kinds of costume. "'And a lot of daggers are out, too. "'You didn't know Frank Carden was illiterate, did you?' "'Her eyes widened. I thought I was literate enough to spot literacy in anybody else, she said. No, I never even suspected. Somebody rapped on the door. Miss Pelton, the sergeant's voice called. Visiphone call from literate's hall. Prestonby smiled. I'll take it, if you don't mind, he said. I'm acting chief literate here now, I suppose. She followed him as he went out into Pelton's office when he snapped on the screen a young man in a white smock with the fraternity's executive section badge looked out of it he gave a slight start when he saw prestonby literate first-class ralph n prestonby acting voluntarily for pelton's purchaser's paradise during emergency he said literate first-class Armandez, executive section the man in the screen replied this call is in connection with the recent attack of chester pelton upon literate first-class bain "'Continue, understanding that we admit nothing,' Prestonby told him. "'An extemporary session of the council has found Pelton guilty of assaulting Literate Bain "'and has fined him ten million dollars,' Armandes announced. "'We enter protest,' Prestonby replied automatically. "'Wait a moment, Literate. "'The council has also awarded Pelton's purchaser's paradise damages.' to the extent of ten million dollars for losses incurred by suspension of literate service and voted censure against literate bain for ordering said suspension without consent of the council furthermore a new crew of literates with their novices guards etc is being sent at once to your store obviously neither the fraternities nor pelton's nor the public would be benefited by returning literate bain or any of his crew he has been given another assignment thank you and when can we expect this new crew of literates prestonby asked the man in the screen consulted his watch probably inside of an hour we've had to do some reshuffling you know how these things are handled and if you'll pardon me literate just what are you doing at pelton's i understood that you were principal of mineola high school that's a good question prestonby hastily assessed the circumstances and their implications "'I'd suggest you ask it of my superior, Literate Lansdale, however.' The literate in the screen blinked. That was the equivalent, for him, of anybody else's jaw dropping to his midriff. "'Well, a pleasure, Literate. Good day.' "'Miss Pelton?' The man in the blue and orange suit was still trying to catch her attention. "'Where are we going to put that stuff? "'Rough Ladderman's out in the store somewhere, and I can't get in touch with him.' what did you say it was she replied fireworks for the peace day trade we want to get it on sale about the middle of the month this was a fine time to deliver them peace day isn't until the tenth of december put them down in the fireproof vault that place is full of photographic film and sporting ammunition and other merchandise stuff we'll have to draw out to replace stock on the shelves during the sale the illiterate objected The weather forecast for the next couple of days is fair, Prestonby reminded her. Why not just pile the stuff on the top stage, beyond the control tower, and put up warning signs? The man, Hushnecker, Prestonby remembered hearing Claire call him, nodded. That might be all right. We could cover the cases with tarpaulins. A buzzer drew one of the illiterates to the handphone. He listened for a moment and turned. Hey, there's a Mrs. H. Armitage Zidanovic down in Furs. She wants to buy one of those mutated mink coats, and she's only got half a million bucks with her. How's her credit? Claire handed Prestonby a black-bound book. Confidential credit rating guide. Look her up for us, she said. Another buzzer rasped. Before Prestonby could find the entry on Zidanovic H. Armitage, the illiterate office worker, laying down one phone, grabbed up another they're all out of small money and notions every son and his brother's been in there the last hour to buy a pair of dollar shoestrings with a grand note i'll take care of that Hutchnicker said wait till i call control tower and tell them about the fireworks how much does mrs h armitage zadanowich want credit for prestonby asked the book says her husband's good for up to fifteen million or fifty million in thirty days those coats are only five million claire said let her have it be sure to get her thumbprint though and send it up here for comparison oh claire do you know how we're going to handle this new literate crew when they get here yes here's the t o for literate service she tossed a big chart across the desk to him i made a few notes on it you can give it to whoever is in charge it went on like that for the next hour when the new literate crew arrived prestonby was delighted to find a friend and a fellow follower of lansdale in charge considering that retail merchandising was Wilton Joyner's section that was a good omen lansdale must have succeeded to an extraordinary degree in imposing his will on the grand council prestonby found however that he would need some time to brief the new chief literate on the operational details at the store he was unwilling to bring claire too prominently into the conference although he realized that it would be a matter of half an hour at the outside before every one of the new literate crew would have heard about her literate ability if she'd only played dumb after opening that safe finally by thirteen hundred the new literates had taken over and the sale was running smoothly again latterman was somewhere out in the store helping them claire had lunch for herself and prestonby sent up from the restaurant And for a while they ate in silence, broken by occasional spatters of small talk. Then she returned to the question she had raised and had not yet answered. End of section three.